Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. This week on Seizing Life, I'm happy to welcome Reed Rainwater and his father, Ryan. Reed is a nationally ranked tennis player and one of the top high school players in Oklahoma. He has experienced seizures since age 14, when the sudden onset of his epilepsy caused him to leave school and later required him to repeat his entire freshman year. Four years later, the high school sports governing organization in Oklahoma declared Reed ineligible to play tennis in his senior year, resulting in his father Ryan taking legal action. Reed and Ryan are here today to tell us about Reed's epilepsy onset and diagnosis and how they fought back against discrimination and stigma. Reed and Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. Uh, To kick things off, Reed, why don't you tell us about how epilepsy first entered your life? Well, I would say in about my eighth grade year, seventh or eighth grade year, I started noticing I was having these little tics, uh, like full body jerks, and my mind would go blank for about a second or two, and they would be happening like all the time. And I didn't really know what they were at first. I kind of just ignored them and kept, I don't know, just pretending they weren't happening. But uh, they were starting to happen more frequently, and then I would start to fall over on some. So then I, I just thought I would bring it to my parents' attention and then, yeah, and then we started going to the doctors, and then that's when things started. And Ryan, what do you remember about when he brought this to your attention and uh, how it escalated from there? And so when he brought that to our attention, we, we just we started noticing it more, and we started noticing uh, the involuntary jerks. We went to several doctors. Um, uh, we had some conflicting diagnosis. One was a form of Tourette's, um, another was, you know, could be epilepsy. Um, and we, we kind of just let, we let time go on. Um, and it was his freshman year where he had his first grand mal seizure. Um, you know, very long, very violent seizure. Um, and that's where we got the official diagnosis for, for, uh, JME, junior monoclonic epilepsy. And um, that was when he was uh, 14 years old, just turning 15 his freshman year. So that must have been pretty terrifying. Uh, Grand mal or tonic-clonic seizures are are pretty scary to witness. Reed, what do you remember from that first seizure? It was about 6 in the morning, and I decided to get up and play some video games. When I was playing, I was having these little twitches, little jerks, like I always do. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm in a firefighter's hands. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I remember. Um, yeah, I pretty much just remember waking up in an ambulance, to be honest. That's all I can really recollect of that day. That one, re- that one really messed my head up, to yeah, be that, honest. That, that one was very long. Um, it was very violent. Um, I... His brother was screaming for me to get upstairs, and when I got upstairs, that's when I saw him in a in a full grand mal seizure, and I have no idea why I knew to get him on his side, but I did. 
um, got them on the ground. We called 911, and um, luckily the fire department was there within less than five minutes. Um, and he had just stopped seizing probably a minute before they arrived. Um, and yeah, we, he was put in the back of the ambulance pretty quick and he, he had no clue what was going on. So you guys get to the hospital and was it, you know, how quickly were you able to get that epilepsy diagnosis? It was probably a week or two after when we got in front of a neurologist. They did the flashing light test and, and all those things that the, they do to test them. And that's when University of Oklahoma officially diagnosed him with, with JME. And, you know, Reed, Ryan, what were you told about epilepsy at the time? What information were you given? Were you told about SUDEP? Honestly, they didn't. They didn't give a lot of information about really anything. They just said I have epilepsy, and they told me some precautions, and then they told me about yeah, that's SUDEP. I think that's, yeah. I mean, but they barely went over it. It was just a big, vague explanation of everything. Very, very vague. Uh, SUDEP was brought up, but nothing in detail. Um, basically, it was like be aware of it, um, and then we started getting on medications to try to keep seizures at bay because once, once he had that first one, the floodgates kind of opened up for a little bit. He had a total of six or seven more. Um, and the initial medications were not working. If anything, they were making things worse. Uh, before we finally found uh, Depakote did, um, did start keeping his seizures at bay and they, they have kept the big ones at bay for, uh, four years now. It's amazing that you were able to find a medication that could that could control or prevent those um, more serious, larger tonic-clonic seizures. Um, but I understand you do still have some of the smaller seizures. What do those look like, feel like? Can someone who is with you tell when you're having one? Um, if, if they could tell, it, they would really have to be paying attention to like my eyes and like my face but they're they're just like a I don't really have like that full body jerk anymore it's kind of just it all happens in my head it's just like a second or two I'm just I just it doesn't even feel like I'm awake it's just like I don't know it's just like two seconds go by and I wasn't even there um yeah I mean you can't re honestly can't really tell that it that it happened have they been able to do any tests that have given you a cause for the epilepsy? No. No, they, they, I think that's the most frustrating part from, you know, his mom and I's standpoint is uh, the neurologists really don't know. Um, they, they, they're still in the dark of the why this happened. Um, you know, he did, he did have a traumatic birth and that's the one thing that we can point to is, is the birth was pretty rough. Um, but um, other than that, I'm perfectly healthy those first, you know, 13, 14 years. And it just, it really came, um, they came with a vengeance. Yeah, explosive onset, right? <laughs> it was the right term for it. You know, it's, it's always so frustrating. And, I, you know, and it's shocking to me that more people don't understand 
um, out, I guess perhaps outside of the epilepsy community, but it is, you know, two thirds of the people who are diagnosed don't know why they're having seizures. I mean, that's a, that's a majority. It's, it's such a large portion of this community that has no answers. And I think that that can be so frustrating, as you said, and isolating and, and, it can be exceedingly hard to treat something when you don't know what is causing it. What was your experience like seeing providers? Did you get second opinions? Um, how how has your treatment journey played out? Honestly, the doctors I just think are a joke. I mean, they don't they don't help with anything. We flew to John Hopkins to see some really good epileptic doctor. And he, we were in and out in 10 minutes. I mean, and I think, and it's with every single doctor. I mean. Yeah, yeah. We, we got second and third and fourth opinions. We we went everywhere. We went to Dallas, uh, several places, obviously University of Oklahoma. We went to John Hopkins. Um, and um, it, it, as Reed is, is, is saying, it was very frustrating. Um because I, I think they just, they don't know. They, and um, maybe they see so many that they're just uh, immune to the feeling of it. But we, we found the whole process to be very frustrating, uh, not getting a lot of new information. Um, you know, the, the place that we go to locally, uh, we still have never, we never saw the doctor. We only saw the PA. Uh, so we never once even spoke to the actual neurologist here locally in Oklahoma City. Uh, now we did in John Hopkins and we did in Dallas, the, the places that we went. But, um, you know, it's always about trying new medications. That's it. You know, try this one, try this one. And they all have the same side effects as the one before, except this one maybe makes you less angry. Um, you know, but... Uh, um, you know, we just never found anyone that was truly willing to, to sit down with them and try to understand it and try to help. I'm so sorry that that has been your experience. And I wish that that wasn't something that I have heard over and over again from other, um, other patients and families. You know, it's, um, I think there's 101 reasons why that is, that is the experience, but there's no excuse really that justifies it. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that 30% of those diagnosed with epilepsy do not respond to current medications? That is why for 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been committed to inspiring hope and delivering impact by funding patient-focused research to find a cure for epilepsy. Learn more about our mission and our research by visiting cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. Reed, I wonder, you know, outside of tennis, which we'll talk about in just a minute, how have uh, your seizures impacted your social life and your education? Uh, I would say my social life has been fine, been good. I mean, I made my main best friends after the fact of having seizures. I mean, maybe it's made me a little more, like, isolated. I don't want to go out as much or do certain things, but... I mean, I would say my social life is good. And what about school and, and education? Do you have um, any sort of accommodations? Does it? Do you notice times in school where it, um, whether it's the epilepsy or the medications that, you know, you feel impacted? Yeah. Um, 
it's definitely impacted my school a lot. I mean, I can barely do any math without having a seizure. I mean, math just messes with my head bad. It's weird. And honestly, it's the same with same with writing. If I'm writing for too long and I'm really focusing on something, it just messes with my head. I and I can't I can't do it. Yeah, he missed an entire semester of of his freshman year basically because we were he was either recovering from a grand mal seizure or I mean literally we spent we had five or six different uh, um, you know trips to the hospital um, and as one neurologist told him like well, listen you just ran a marathon in four minutes it's going to take you a week to two weeks to recover and in that that semester that he missed he he did he. He kind of had a look. It looked like almost like he had a concussion um, for months. Uh, it was very scary um, and just heartbreaking as a parent. But um, like I said, we, we did find something that has finally kept them at bay. Um, we hit the reset button this freshman year, and since then his grades have been great. Um, uh, the Edmund North schools do give him you know, accommodations. Um, but these, this past year he's, he's done virtual, which is, it has seemed to help, um, where he, he has a little bit more flex time. That's great. And I do understand that you also ended up switching schools too. What was the, the reason for that? Um, I, honestly, I just didn't really, I didn't want to be in the same place where I was having, where I was having seizures. I mean, not, I wasn't like having seizures there. I just wanted to switch up everything. I don't know. I just felt everything was just wrong all, that whole year. And well, it just felt wrong and it just needed to change. It was a traumatic year. And um, that school was a private school and did not have you know, the, the IEP accommodations that a public school does. And um, Edmund North was, was very accommodating. It's a, it's a great school. It's obviously the district we live in. Um, and it has been a very it's very been it's been a beneficial move in my opinion. I'm glad you were able to find a a school where you felt comfortable and um, maybe had a a little less trauma associated with it. Okay, so now I want to dive into tennis. You are a nationally ranked player, one of the top high school tennis players in Oklahoma, which is amazing. Congratulations. I can only imagine how much hard work you have put in to get to that level. Now, you lost a year of high school tennis because of uh, the seizures and trying to find a medication that worked. And I understand that you were trying to apply for a hardship waiver, which would allow you an additional year of high school tennis eligibility since you did have to uh, repeat a year of school. Um, explain to us that process and what happened. Yeah, I mean, basically, we, we just needed to document uh, why he needed that extra year, which we did. Um, you know, we explained in, in, in detail his freshman year, um, you know, basically missing that entire second semester, not competing on, on the tennis team that year. He didn't play one single point for that school. Um, and we basically just hit the reset button. So the hardship waiver just, you know, basically goes through those questions, why you need it. Um, and we were initially denied that hardship waiver. 
Now, did you have any idea that you were going to be denied? Did you, um, or did you think that this was sort of a given? Uh, we kind of thought it would be. Oh, a, it was a given. We I mean, we thought it would be a given just because the facts are right there. Um, it's it was very clear what happened to him. Um, we weren't trying to get an extra year to get a better scholarship or do anything that uh, would cause a red flag. I mean, it was very very straightforward. Um, you know, the people that we uh, talked to and that have done this before they're like yeah this is a slam dunk it's no big deal um, so what was the reason given for reed's waiver being denied they said i mean i can read it right here they said the documentation the documentation submitted did not demonstrate a circumstance beyond the control of the student so they're saying epilepsy was i can't i can control that and that's something I can control, like an injury. Like, a yeah, the documentation documentation submitted did not demonstrate a circumstance beyond the control of the student, which prevented Reed from making normal academic progress. Reed, isn't that amazing? You can control your epilepsy. Did you not know that? Yeah, no, I was. That was <laughs> like that's I just, just thought that was hilarious. I mean. Yeah, I mean, you at some point hilarious. you have to I laugh. I'm sure you were very, very angry. But, I mean, that's just kind of the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. I would have loved to have controlled my daughter's epilepsy or known that she could just magically, you know, control it on her own. Yes, uh, mom and I mom and I went from zero to 100 in anger very quickly when we read this. And we immediately got on the phone to, to find an attorney. And um, we, we immediately fought back. Good for you. And and what did that process look like? Uh, I was recommended to an attorney locally who has about 15 years experience um, with litigation with the OSSAA, the Oklahoma Secondary School Activities Association. He's very involved. Um, he knows the ins and outs. And um, we had an initial call with him. He asked me for the letter, and he said he would call me five o'clock that afternoon after he, after he reviewed it. And I think I got a call twenty seconds after I sent him this letter, and he reviewed it, and he was appalled, um, and immediately got us involved with a young attorney here in town, Hannah Witten, who is very familiar with the the epilepsy world. Um, actually, lost a brother to epilepsy, so she took she took an immediate. Um, interest in this case, and uh, they really got to work. Literally, the day that we we met through email and on phone calls, they got to work. That's incredible, and um, you know, good for you for fighting this stigma and and um, going to the lengths that you needed to, because that's not always an easy step to take. I do want to be clear, you know. It's my understanding, Reed, your doctor, you have been medically cleared to play. It is not like um, there is any concern or risk or liability. Everyone says you're good to go. Yeah, 100%. Every doctor's told me that. Yeah. I. So what was the end result? Are you still... Um, is the case still active? I don't... I'm not um, up on legal words, but... <laughs> So we got a news channel to come interview me and pretty much right after OSSAA heard that I had an interview, they just let, they said, you can play. 
we sent them an email saying we'll air this on Wednesday if you don't give us an answer about playing on on Monday. And then, yeah, they immediately let me play. I mean, it was a quick turnaround. Um, this was all on. This was, you know, Hannah's suggestion that we we go live with it with the news, and we did. And we we just basically said, you know, the story can be killed Monday at midnight, or or we're running with it. And like Reed said, it was Monday afternoon that we got word that uh, he is now eligible. Um, and um, yeah. Is the case still open? Uh, not for that. And then now all of a sudden they're asking if he's made practice enough. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're still they're still trying their witch hunt on Reed for some reason, but uh, we're we're fighting that as well. And yes, he's made practice enough. Just to be very very clear, um, he has made the majority of the practices. They're really trying to make it as hard as they can on him. I'm I'm so sorry to hear that, but I am thrilled to hear that um, that the attorneys work paid off and that you are currently playing. I wonder, Reed, what advice would you give to other young people who are faced with an epilepsy diagnosis and are also facing stigma like this and misunderstanding? I mean, it's just a total lack of awareness or knowledge about how epilepsy can impact a person or not impact them, as the case may be. I mean, for me, I've tried to let it impact me as little as possible. I mean, obviously, the first year I had seizures, I let it impact me a lot. I let it just control my thoughts. And it kind of kind of put me in a bad spot. But once I, once I just started, I don't know, just living without, without caring, to be honest, everything sort of started to fall into place. Um, I would just tell people that if you have a seizure, I mean, it's, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I know it's terrible. I mean, it's like the worst thing ever, but you got to keep living because I mean, other people are going through things that are terrible too. I mean, people are getting diagnosed with cancer and stuff like that. I mean, if you have a seizure, you just got to keep living. I mean, I mean, that's all you can do. Very true sentiments all the way through. Parenting is difficult. Parenting a teenager is another level. Parenting a teenager with epilepsy is beyond that. Uh, You know, it's not easy. What advice do you give to a parent who has a child who's diagnosed, but also who's up against an organization or a situation that is telling them that they can't do something that they can? Uh, you know, the, the, the first part of the question, yes, it is, it is, it is very difficult to watch your child suffer. It is, it's the hardest thing that, uh, that, that we have gone through and that we continue to go through because yes, he's done an amazing job of making his grades. Um, tennis is on a whole nother level, in my opinion, what he's able to do. And he's still having um, what he calls these head glitches. Um, it, it, it is amazing. But, you know, the, the, the darker side to epilepsy, the, the harder side that the people don't see. Um, and my wife and I, we see it. And we see what he's going through. But we don't feel what he's going through because it's, it's his journey. You just, you, you've got to be, you've got to have empathy. And you have to try to be patient best you can because it is very easy to get angry. Um, it is very easy to lash out. 
Um, but um, to, you know, to these parents, you just you've got to be patient. And I would I would seek out um, you know some of the social media sites. You know, there's there's great there's great uh, chat rooms. Uh, where other parents are going through it and they're sharing their stories and you realize that you're not alone. Um, you know, my wife is on several of them. I know it's helped her to talk about it and she's, she's met new people through it. Um, and in terms of the stigma and facing issues of discrimination, I would say number one thing is do exactly what we did and immediately fight. Get Get, get an attorney referred to you, call the Epilepsy Foundation, call Cure Epilepsy. Um, there are attorneys out there willing to help. Um, you know, we found two that immediately jumped on it, and especially, you know, Hannah, we, we can't say enough about her. She knew so much about epilepsy, and she cares about these kids, and she cares about, um, she cares about these, these issues as much as anyone as I've ever met. I mean, she was 10 times more helpful than any neurologist that we've ever met. So well, I would just say in, in those circumstances, you have got to fight because the, the, the stigma is not going away right now. And, and you know, you've, just, you've got to be willing to um, stand for what's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, Reed, you are currently playing tennis. How is your season going? And... Um, you know, does your does your epilepsy affect your your game at all? Uh, yes, it does actually. Um, but first of all, the season's going good. Um, the first three tournaments back, we've won two, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm playing good. I've won my tournaments, so yeah. But epilepsy definitely does affect me while I'm playing, and it only started recently for some reason. Like literally this past year past six months actually I don't, it's really weird but yeah I mean I'll be playing and I'll just have a head glitch or something like that and the ball will go right by me and yeah it's just really it's just really weird I mean I'm having a seizure while I'm playing and that's and that's never really happened to me before but it's been happening pretty consistent now but hey I'm not gonna let it make me stop or anything it's just it's just annoying he, yeah, we we did up his his medication just a little bit to try to, to help this, and and we're we're watching it closely. But he he is playing great, and you know he says these are happening. You can't really notice, um, but he he is letting us know about it. So we're you know we're watching it closely. But in in terms of his play, it's 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 top level. That's amazing that you're able to play through it, and that you're able to play at such a high level. You know despite having a seizure while you're playing. I mean, that's, it's incredible. And I think a remarkable story to hopefully inspire others out there who are in a similar position to not let their seizures stop them, of course, within the guidelines of medical care and proper rest and, and all of the things that we know are important. So Reed, what's next for your tennis career? Well, I have committed to a school, MSU Denver, um, and I'll be moving there this summer. Yeah. And I'll Congratulations. Be Thank you. Well, I know that all of us here at Cure Epilepsy will be cheering you on and you'll have to keep us posted and updated. In the meantime, we are 
so grateful to both of you for sharing your story, for fighting against stigma, and for keeping going because goodness is it important. So I just thank you both so very, very much. And um, I can't wait to see what's in store for you, Reed. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Reed and Ryan, for sharing your epilepsy journey with us and for raising awareness about epilepsy stigma and discrimination. We wish Reed continued success as he begins his college tennis career next year. Cure Epilepsy has been funding patient-focused epilepsy research for 25 years. During that time, we have made significant discoveries and advances in epilepsy diagnosis and treatment, but there is still work to be done to find a cure for epilepsy. If you would like to help us achieve our goal of a world without epilepsy, please visit cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Cure Epilepsy, inspiring hope and delivering impact. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.